This is the Lightning Junkies Podcast with your host, Chaz. On this week's episode of the podcast, we have Justifer. We're talking griefing attacks and running a routing node. I wanted to get Justifer on. He just had a article on Bitcoin Magazine and that, you know, I really like to talk about the reasons why lightning might suck, quote unquote, or otherwise might not measure up in the way that I would prefer or other people might prefer. And I think in order to be as intellectually honest as possible, paying attention to the possible deficiencies in lightning is a lot more useful than trying to cheerlead and be an endless hype master for lightning. So this episode does try to focus on the screefing attack and what we can kind of discover or otherwise mitigate about it. And we do spend a good amount of time talking about routing nodes. Uh, Justifer has made that his primary focus within Lightning. So I think it's pretty educational if that's something you've been wanting to do or been wanting to find out more information on. Before we do that, just a couple of reminders. If you'd like to support the show, there are a couple different ways you can do that. You can go to lightningjunkies.net forward slash support, or you can go to store.lightningjunkies.net where you can find hats, stickers, and things like that you can purchase with Bitcoin or Bitcoin over Lightning. That's pretty much it for the preamble mumbling here. Let's go ahead and jump into this episode. like to go ahead and welcome Justifer to the Lightning Junkies podcast. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. Thanks, Jess. Absolutely. So I wanted to get you on the show here. I've been taking notice of you for quite a while. You've been doing a lot of kind of routing research and education on SatBase. And recently you were on Bitcoin Magazine for this griefing piece so I just thought more people out there in lightning land should be aware of who you are, I think. Thanks. Yeah. Absolutely. First off, I kind of want to just start with the basics, everything that the, the podcasts usually do here. How did you get your start in Bitcoin and what was maybe your previous life before you got into Bitcoin? Just to give us a bit of a reference there. Uh, yeah. So I, I've been working like in the engineering field most recently on like the civil side, but in the past, uh, my background's in environmental engineering. Let's see, I, I also worked in a call center for a little bit right after I graduated, and that was handling class action lawsuits. And most of them were against banks. So I got sort of a familiarity with some of the issues with the traditional banking system. And then discovering Bitcoin, I think it, my initial like acquisition was like after watching ads like from a faucet and stuff, you know, watch a couple of hours and then, you know, have about six cents worth that you walk away with, which is worth a lot more now. I think the interest got pushed a whole lot further after, you know, learning about some of those uh, class action lawsuits and the activities of banks and uh, listening to Andreas Antonopoulos. I, I think I fell asleep listening to the internet of money and I woke up like so deep down the rabbit hole that there, there was just no, no going back. Would you say it was much more on the technology side of things or was it 
kind of from a legal aspect that you were interested in things? Well, it triggered both of them. I think most of all, Andrea Santinopoulos helped highlight sort of the technological possibilities of this on, on what it could turn into. You know, I heard a couple of references to the Lightning Network. And as soon as like that technology was available for the average user, I wanted to be part of it. I remember like opening my first channel to Boyo Feed and feeding chickens that way. How did you get started using Bitcoin before we get too far into Lightning here? I had a little bit of funds uh, left over from like a small car loan. Instead of buying like electric charger, I ended up throwing some money into Bitcoin. I was like initially kind of like annoyed with the, the memes coming out of Reddit. I was like, man, these people just won't stop celebrating. I bought some Bitcoin at that point and really never regretted that since. And it's just been a continuous learning journey as, as you fall down the rabbit hole and, you know, you read as much as you can. Uh, so I've just been uh, stacking stats the whole time and buying every dip that I could and, and researching like, oh, like, should I sell this? The price is going down. Like, well, isn't this losing me money? And, and then I had to do the research to realize that, no, no, this is what you hold on to for as long as you possibly can. So you kind of got started with Lightning connecting to Poyo Feed. How did things progress from there? After that, I messed around with the Eclair mobile wallet for the most part. That got me some exposure to opening and closing channels. There's a, a whole bunch along the way. I ran into different issues because, you know, I'm, I'm not a developer, mostly just a, a user of Lightning. It, the technology is just like so fascinating. And I was always demonstrating, you know, Poyo feed to, to my friends and, and coworkers and stuff. And so then I ended up taking it a little bit further and getting set up with the Raspi Blitz, which is a phenomenal project. Um, and I'm so glad I get to interact with OpenOMS and also get to get to talk with the Raspi Bolters, which they've acquired quite a bit more knowledge at like a technical level of, you know, how to set up a lightning node and how to essentially do everything yourself, since that's what that project demands. But I've made tons of problems with my Raspi Blitz. And so I've like had to like troubleshoot them along the way. And usually in like fixing some of those issues, that's when I realized like, oh, I've I've actually got some acquired knowledge and something I might be able to write about. Is this kind of what led to uh SatBase coming into existence? Uh yeah. Lightning is a as a technology super inspiring. It's just cool to play with. I needed to just kind of dump my thoughts. And I initially I was just dumping them into different chats on Telegram, especially the Ellen Balance Channels chat, where there's a whole community of folks getting together and, and opening mutually balanced channels together as a way to, to start getting your liquidity, both inbound and outbound. From there, I realized like I can't, you know, use a entire chat as my diary. So uh, better start writing. And so that's, that was what caused uh, satbase.org to come out. The site has evolved a little bit. I'm still trying to assemble resources and build on it. But as soon as I run into a technology that I think is disruptive, even for Lightning, I'll go ahead and, and write about that. And now I've uh, introduced a Lightning Network paywall using LNBits. So, so you can tip me a couple of sats to read some of the articles that I've written. 
and enjoy some of that knowledge. I've tried to price them appropriately so that just by acquiring the knowledge that I put into that article, you'd still be profitable if you put that to work on a routing node. Just to be clear for our listeners, SatBase is, I think for right now, primarily oriented towards routing node operators. Is, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Would you say that you make, quote unquote, good amounts of money routing? Is it beer money? What are we talking about? I think it was maybe mid-2020. I think my best month that I shared about was that I had netted about 300,000 sats just doing a essentially a liquidity arbitrage on the Lightning Network. So I was, I was like both buying and selling inbound liquidity. I think I was one of the first to try out that method and actually share about it. I think when most people like become routing nodes, they think that, oh, like I'll just open channels and I'll, I'll start earning some routing income, which is not really the case. I think most of the funds that you can make as a routing node comes from doing liquidity arbitrage. So like someone has opened a channel to me, now I have inbound liquidity and there's actually people that are willing to buy that from you via either pool or a different platform, uh, the Lightning Liquidity Bot, which I've, I've written an article about in that base. So I'm, I'm not uh, earning a, a ton of income, but uh, at least that's it's starting off as beer money. But as the, the Bitcoin price goes up, the scale of that routing income increases with it. So what was about 30 bucks for a month of routing activity at the time, with Bitcoin 10x from that point, and uh, <laughs> we're a good uh, ways along there. If that 10x, then my routing income would be almost rent money. Uh, so it scales really nicely in that respect. If you were to, you know, bust your ass, let's say, and, you know, try as hard as you can full time to try to, you know, make money off your routing node, do you think you can make significantly more or is there a bit of a ceiling right now just by where we are with Lightning? Let's see. One of my predictions is that full time jobs as a routing node, that's going to be a position that I'll see more and more. I already saw one full-time position, or sorry, it was a part-time position as a routing node operator. So just to put this company's sats to work, and it does take quite a bit of time to be a routing node. I, I view it as kind of a game. I know Alex Bosworth describes it as like fishing because, you know, you're just setting your sats in one area and kind of hoping to capture some that are passing through that channel. Some of it is going to be time spent kind of doing maintenance on your own node, but I think most of it is going to be in just strategy on how to deploy your liquidity in a smart way to actually take advantage of all the routing that could happen through some of that arbitrage. Have you had a worse time with the fees as they are? We've definitely been spoiled for quite a while because, you know, fees would clear out of the weekend. They were clear for during the week, you know, six months ago, what have you, a lot easier to open channels, close channels, all of that. Have you noticed a significant change in the dynamic of things now that fees have been full for a while? Yes. Getting into Lightning, I always suspected the mempool would fill up and on-chain transactions would become more and more expensive. 
However, you know, what I didn't expect was that the value that you have in a channel is going to increase so much. I was prepared for managing uh, transaction fees. And, you know, I wrote about using some of the balance of Satoshi's tools to batch open channels. I mean, that saves you a ton of stats just from the get-go. Because if you can open several channels at once, those transactions are essentially getting compressed into the blockchain. So you don't have to pay so much. And then you can always set your routing fees so that it pays for the channel open and the channel close. But what I was talking about with the value increase, now that some channels that I didn't think were so significant when I first opened them are now what turns out to be more like critical infrastructure that the people have come to rely on. Like, oh, like I'm able to stack sats with strike because you know this this channel has you know existed for a long time. The people stacking won't be using as much of the liquidity because you know the value transfer is now a smaller and smaller fraction of that channel capacity. But I've, I've definitely noticed the mempool filling up has also influenced the cost of a force close how one force close might wipe out all your gains from a channel. So making sure that you have trustworthy peers that are you know, aware of that fact, that no, please do not force close the channel with me. Like, let's, let's talk. Yeah, make sure that both of us can be online so we can cooperatively close the channel without you know, incurring so much expense. Before we get into this whole griefing attack thing, have you noticed people not doing the griefing attack literally, but just being kind of dickish on the Lightning Network, kind of doing the force closed thing like you mentioned there and similar things? Have you noticed that as a thing that people just do because they're just naive, what have you? It's happened pretty rarely. I know there there has been a bug recently that is causing just sort of random force closes. So I know most of it is not not malicious. It's more just about, oh, well, there was a bug and something weird happened in the, in the channel. So it ended up force closing or there was some, you know, intermittent node disconnection. And, you know, when it came back, the, the numbers didn't add up. And so it force closes. I haven't seen very many people that are new to the space just ending up force closing. It's happened a couple of times, but uh, nothing significant. What would you say is the biggest thing you learned in your Bitcoin Lightning adventure so far? The biggest insight that you could maybe share with the audience? I think trying to actually spend Lightning is extremely beneficial for being a routing node. Like inbound liquidity is everything. If you actually spend a certain amount of your Lightning funds, that, that will give you more inbound liquidity. You'll be able to receive payments, and that is the constraint for routing of income. If you have that inbound liquidity, uh, you'll be able to, to sell it just because now it looks like on the network that other people view your node as important and have essentially pointed the sats that they have in their channel at your node saying, I need to you know, maintain liquidity to them, like they are important. And so once you're at that level, then you're able to route payments that are just coming through or execute some of those channel sales via pool or liquidity bot. 
Have you gotten much use out of a lightning pool? Um, I have not been able to uh, use it quite yet. I've made one sale, and uh, during that time, that's when I volunteered for that griefing attack. And uh, so, so my node was offline for a good portion of that. And I, I know pool kind of vets who they're um, saying is eligible to use pool for the most part, where there's a, there's a priority set. I was really high availability, um, and then it dropped pretty significantly after the griefing attack. Let's go ahead and jump into that, I think. Do you want to let the listeners know more about this griefing attack that you uh, wrote about on Bitcoin Magazine? Sure. Used Yager has been writing about this vulnerability for quite a while. Follow his Twitter for sure. It's used J-O-O-S-T-J-G-R. It's full of very technical information about this, this vulnerability on Mainnet Lightning, but Yust uh, needed someone to test it with. And so I got a couple of people together that were willing to be you know, victims of this attack. And, and so what it does is it essentially floods your channels with transactions that don't really resolve into a, either a, a payment or or some routing event. Your channels are limited to 483 HTLCs, the hash time lock contracts in each direction. What you did was essentially, from, from my understanding, was looping these unresolving HTLCs between three nodes in sort of like a, a triangular shape. And so he was able to remain largely separate from, from all of us. However, you know, putting that many HTLCs in a channel essentially prevents you from being able to make any type of transaction. And that includes the ability to cooperatively close it. You might be able to receive a, a key send message from your attacker demanding a ransom and, and how to pay that. Uh, but there aren't currently good defenses in either C-Lightning uh, or L&D that might prevent such an attack. So you're, you're kind of stuck in that situation where you've got all these unresolving payments and you can't cooperatively close. So the only way that you have to stop the attack is to do a force close. At this point, you still don't even know who your attacker is or where these payments are coming from. All you know is that you can see your pending HDLCs that are going on if you use user interface like Thunderhub. That was the only one that could actually show me the readout of how many pending HTLCs I had going on at that time. That was super useful, but it's just like knowing that you're under attack now, but what do I do about it? They still don't really know. The only way I had to stop the attack was to execute a force close, which is going to set my, my funds in that channel, kind of lock them up for about two weeks using default settings. I saw that if all of those, like if you had all of those HTLCs actually hit the main chain, um, you would be paying the force close fees and be paying a stupid amount to actually close out the channel. Is that right? Yeah. So, so force closes try to get into the next block and they also use sort of a race condition. So it's racing to get into the blockchain. So that means it's going to pay about you know, next block fee times five just to get into the blockchain. 
with those 483 transactions that are unresolving, it will separate out each of those HTLCs into its own uh, on-chain transaction. So that's going to quickly add up as far as costs go. You're looking at quite a big fee. Thankfully for this test, we were using small, very small test channels. Any of those additional HTLCs, those have to resolve to being above the dust limit for on-chain transactions so that you don't end up paying for a whole bunch of transactions that don't actually resolve in any payment to you. However, that's a massive liability. You know, if it costs like 10 bucks to get into the next block, yeah, you're looking at a huge fee for this. Now it's going to pull funds from the channel itself. It's not going to pull funds from outside of that channel to make that force close happen. So you're somewhat constrained that way by the channel capacity, but it's a very uncomfortable idea to, to think, oh, man, I might, I might have to pay out the entire contents of my channel just to execute a force close if I'm under attack like this. It looks like the example given in the article was a, a $368 uh, channel close at 50 sats per byte, I believe. Yeah, and, and I think those, uh, those numbers quickly got outdated because of the Bitcoin price rise. Um, so it, it might actually cost you know, a lot more than that because that also scales with the price. That's pretty crazy that uh, yeah, the tone could wipe you out entirely. The piece that I, that I wanted to highlight was uh, this article isn't meant to, to scare anyone because this type of attack isn't being used maliciously. The point of the article that I really wanted to communicate is, hey, like Lightning is becoming critical infrastructure, not only for Bitcoiners, but also for the future payment system as the strike is demonstrating. And fixing this issue needs to be prioritized. Would you say that there are any mitigations for this that um, we could possibly apply in the future? So Yoast has been developing a tool called Circuit Breaker that requires that everyone on the network participates in order to identify you know, bad actors. I get the impression that it, it's, uh, it's kind of separating them out of the network so you can kind of ignore them. For the most part, this might need to be fixed at the protocol level and not with, uh, with an add-on. As great as uh, Circuit Breaker is, there might need to be a more fundamental solution to protect the value on the Lightning Network. I was getting the impression from Juice's uh, Twitter that he doesn't really appreciate some of these newfangled features like offers uh, kind of preceding this uh, kind of work fixing a bug like this. Definitely doesn't make him happy to, to see all these other developments stepping in front of just fixing some of the fundamental issues to protect value on the Lightning Network. I share that concern, even though I love playing with the bleeding edge developments that are happening on Lightning, I would love to see those really basic issues get fixed first. There's this griefing attack. I believe that there are some other, I'm not sure if variations is the right word, but there are some other kind of similar attacks, flood and loot. Another one that I have did a show on before. I can't remember the name of it, to be entirely honest. There's all these different kind of bugs out there for uh, Lightning. I just saw like another one come up saying that maybe privacy on Lightning isn't that great. I still have to kind of dig into that one a bit. 
at this point, as a, a user of Lightning, as someone that kind of tries to research the tech side of Lightning, are you at all scared or at all nervous about the future state of uh, Bitcoin Lightning, or are you not? I'm not super nervous about the future of, of the Lightning Network. It provides tremendous value, not only for making transactions happen, like instead of on-chain, but also like as a routing node, it's still uh, you know lucrative to become a routing node if you're if you're smart about it and you're establish yourself in a good part of the network to be connecting these disparate individuals that have different lightning and liquidity needs. You can still build out this important infrastructure, and I don't feel like you need to be afraid of this attack. We successfully executed on, on mainnet lightning for the most part. It's just a pain to have to deal with and not necessarily uh, an attack that I would feel uncomfortable storing value. However, the attack is motiv motivating me to look further into setting up uh, private channels. So that would allow me to have some kind of uh, what OpenOM's terms as uh, dark liquidity, which is essentially like what Strike has set up. They're using mostly private channels, so the rest of us don't actually know, you know what all is going on there. You know, could very well be larger than the rest of the entire Lightning Network, but we would just have no idea. I mean, it could be much smaller, but could very well be larger. Would you say that in the last six months or so that the amount of transactions and the amount of activity on Lightning has increased since we've seen Strike, Fold, and other companies kind of get online there? It would be difficult for me to say. I don't know that we have really good data on how many transactions are actually happening in the Lightning Network. I could only speak to like my experience, which is like whatever transactions hit my node, which depends on where it is positioned in the entire network. I was having you know some success routing to exchanges. So River Financial has Lightning and Bitfinex both have Lightning. Bitfinex also has a feature where you can deposit Lightning and then withdraw on chain, uh, which is essentially like a, another form of a loop out if you're willing to take some uh, custodial risk by depositing funds into Bitfinex. Um, so those were my most active routes. The griefing attack kind of messed up my node. So I'm in the process of rebuilding right now, but I did hear. Uh, Alex Bosworth write about his recent routing activity. I think he has routed like 21 Bitcoin so far this year, uh, which is a staggering amount. So clearly he is in a good position in the network. The y'alls know that, that he operates is at this point critical infrastructure for the Lightning Network. It seems to somewhat be on the scale of like Ellen Big, which was has been uh, one of the largest nodes in the network. It seems like uh, Alex kind of, you know, got in there first and kind of learned everything as quickly as possible before everybody else and just has that massive advantage there. For someone that has uh, one of the first people and maybe the first person to work on submarine swaps, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that him, him being brilliant as well as him being first 
the combination of these two are really working to to help him be a successful routing node. I'm going to take a kind of step back from the more serious part of the lightning discussion here and, you know, kind of go to a lighter uh, side of things. Do you have a particular uh, app or service that uses lightning right now that you would say is your favorite? Right now, it's got to be Thunderhub. The visuals and the visualizations on that app are phenomenal, partly because of a suggestion Philip Shepard had for that channel display. And that, it was just laying out and kind of displaying in an intuitive way, what's the status of your liquidity in each of your channels, which are the important ones, because uh, Ride Lightning, by comparison, it's got a kind of even length bars for all of your channels. So you might have a tiny channel that looks like it's the same size as, you know, some Wombo channel that you might have, you know, above 16.7 million sats. So Thunderhub does a fantastic job of showing just your channel display, and then you can start making some really smart decisions about what to do with your liquidity, whether you're going to execute like a, a circular rebalance where you're going to pay yourself, or you're going to try and use some swap services to, to get more inbound liquidity in, in a certain area. Thunderhub is my absolute favorite to, to work with. And also, I always recommend installing Balance of Satoshis, which is a command line tool for, for your routing node, but it allows you to batch open channels and there's uh, and also make uh, iterative attempts at, at rebalancing. Because most people, when they try and do a circular rebalance for the first time, it will fail. It'll say temporary channel failure. And everyone's like, what does that mean? Well. It's usually a liquidity issue, and because whatever tool you're using isn't continuously trying trying different routes and different combinations of routes, it's just giving you the failure where balance of Satoshis will continue to try and find a route. And sometimes it takes a really long time to find a route, and sometimes it won't find one at all, but it will be far more exhaustive in its search uh, than any of the other tools. Would you say that that's very easy to install? Let's say I have my uh, my node here. Could I just throw that on there as well? I believe you could. I've, I've heard about other people doing that. I don't have a, a my node myself, and it requires command line access. So if you can get to command line and run as a super user then or as, as a root, then you should be able to install it and get that running. Fantastic. Because, yeah, I'm not, I would probably wouldn't say that my routing node knowledge is where yours is at. I tend to get distracted with all the other toys that exist in Lightning and tend to, you know, not dig as deep on any particular thing. And so, yeah, I just pulled up Thunderhub right now because I, I had it, but I've never really uh, used it, to be entirely honest. And I do like the kind of different way they uh, display the channels there and have all their different tools laid out a little bit differently than um, something like RTL. But kind of moving on there slightly, I was just kind of curious about your general outlook of Bitcoin and Bitcoin Lightning. Where do you see us going in the short term? Do you see companies like Strike being the the big thing that kind of launches us into orbit? Uh, Cash App has been talking about adding Lightning for a long time. 
Do you think it's going to be companies like that that highly encourage people to jump into Lightning and then things like Fold, BitRefill to kind of act as the other side of things to give us more of a kind of use case to, to go off of? I am ridiculously bullish on Lightning. Bitfinex, I think, was one of the first exchanges to implement Lightning. That was huge. Now, you're able to like execute a swap, so you're able to swap Lightning funds for on-chain. That's a fantastic tool for routing nodes. There hasn't been another exchange that has really implemented Lightning in that same way, and now we're starting to see it. I think it was OKCoin that, that announced earlier that they are implementing Lightning. Huge congrats uh, to, to both them and to Lightning Labs that helped them out with that. And having several exchanges using Lightning is super important because that is where I see Lightning is going. It's going to the high-frequency trading. If you want instant settlement, there's nothing better than, than using Lightning right now because here it's on this trusted protocol, Bitcoin, and you don't have to worry about the protocol risk of some of these other coins. If you're able to use Lightning and have that super fast confirmation, that transaction finality, then Wall Street is going to love that. Like this isn't only for crypto trading that you might want to use a tool like that. I think it is a tiny step away from doing arbitrage of everything in financial markets that will be settling using Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. I'm theorizing that that is what Strike is actually building out the infrastructure for. If they're able to do international payments and that is settled in, you know, some whatever fiat stable coin that they're that they're using. So, you know, we see it as dollars, but it gets sent across the pond via the Lightning Network and can be settled as, as euros. And it, it just happens so fast. But any of us could actually implement something like that, maybe not with the, the fiat compliance, but, but we're building out this network. So Strike is kind of acting like an airport at this point. So it's able to fly our payments to these different destinations. But if you want to continue to use the Lightning Network, all of us routing nodes are sort of acting like the buses and the taxis to take you, you know, from the airport down to your home destination. So it's kind of a, you know, trickling out from from those those big nodes to get you that to that last hop. So there's a ton more to build. Uh, the more retailers and exchanges that get on Lightning the faster this network effect is is going to take place. And it's going to be something that the rest of the world has to contend with uh, because you know we have such an attractive technology that we're using that allows this instant international settlement using open network that anyone could build off of. The question that strikes me is, yeah, we have um, OKCoin, we have Kraken, we have Bitfinex. I'm wondering, you know, on an, on a long enough timeline, do we see the Coinbase's and Binance's onboarding too, or will those guys take a lot longer to onboard because they almost don't really care about Bitcoin in the same way that some of these other exchanges do? What's your take on that? I'm with you on that. I think you know when exchanges focus on adding their latest coin, they're they're missing the bigger picture that that the developments on Bitcoin are going to consume 
everything and uh, the developments in the Lightning Network especially are going to eat up any of those uh, smart contracts, uh, flashy things that these other coins have. Like Lightning Network is just going to do it better and with a lot less complexity than might be required to like learning an entire new coin protocol and securing your value at the end of the day for, against uh, protocol risk. Do you think we're going to end up seeing layer three, layer four on top of uh, Lightning's layer two? Yeah, so what I've seen so far, I think Balance of Satoshi's implemented like a ping pong service. And I see that as like sort of the first step to having like more advanced activities happen on the Lightning Network. From what I've learned so far is that right now we can key send messages. So it's like include a message within a lightning payment. So it's getting routed via Tor. You know, once it gets to its destination, hey, this message is revealed. You know, I've gotten to talk to Alex Bosworth about this quite a bit, where you know, you could include code in that. From what I understand, you could also be transferring files. So like whatever Filecoin was hoping to achieve, Lightning is not very far away from being able to achieve that same thing and much, much more, you know, without all this developer drama happening for, for Filecoin. I would see that as sort of a, a layer three. There's a whole lot more that you could stack on top of a file sharing protocol. It kind of blows the mind a little bit. <laughs> kind of reminds me of something that Andreas uh, said on the show before, that maybe we shouldn't load up uh, Lightning with like files and stuff because it we'd fall into a similar problem as big blockers that we're going to end up weighing down the entire network by trying to send pictures back and forth. I'm not sure if I have enough technical knowledge to be able to speak to that authoritatively. If Lightning becomes extremely useful, we might end up uh, building out our internet infrastructure better to handle all of the, the commerce and all of the activity that people want to use the, the Lightning Network for. We'll see if those things end up happening in between nodes themselves, or just the proof of an exchange would happen on the Lightning Network itself. So I could just uh, send you a file and you could send me you know, proof that you received that file. And then you could exchange like an unlock key so that you could actually access its contents, so on and so forth. Like that's the type of information that we might be able to exchange Granted, I'm not a developer. I just uh, sort of an engineer that gets excited about this technology and like what could be possible with it. I think that's kind of the end of the, the lightning portion there. The final portion I was kind of wondering about is what's the uh, future for you? Are you going to kind of stay on the routing node portion? Is there anything else in the world of lightning? Are you going to do more articles for Bitcoin Magazine about lightning, etc.? Where, where, where are you headed here? I really like being a, a routing node. I'll continue to uh, work on tools for Lightning since I've been developing some relationships with, with developers to help build out some of the tools. I think more and more they're, they're looking to, to like me as kind of their go-to routing node. Like I'm, I'm not an expert, but I'm super willing to field test these things and, and you know, see what I can churn out of them, what errors I run into, because no one is as good at breaking things as me. Like I'll, I'll 
run it to the limit. And uh, so some of the developers have, have appreciated that for, for me. I'll, I'll continue to write. There's nothing that excites me more than, than Lightning Network. And I've also got like a kind of a weekly appearance on Bitcoin Kindergarten podcast where we kind of answer new coiner questions. Also, I'm just sort of like the, the resident Lightning guy. So I'll continue to answer questions there to help people get a better understanding of you know what this technology is and what's possible with it. Do you get very many lightning questions over there? I'll, I'll get quite a few. I gave my, my first uh, Griefing Tech presentation on that. And I also, with Bitcoin Kindergarten, I put out a video called Functional Lightning Network. And that's sort of just explaining these basic concepts of what is liquidity, uh, what does it mean to open a channel, and how, how do you do the, the accounting on those sats so that every piece, every single channel will always like audit out as you know you still have the same amount of sats and maybe you've now accrued this routing fee. Well, where does the routing fee accrue? I would I always recommend that video for people that are going to use Lightning where they're going to manage their own channels because this is the important piece. We'll continue to, to help out people that, that join our, our Lightning groups. Whenever they enter, they're usually just trying to help out the network, which is super admirable. I always remind them like, hey, the liquidity that you're putting here has value. So like starting to ask that question of how do you price that? And with those questions that I get from new people, that's usually my inspiration for SAP-based articles. So I can just kind of generate a frequently asked questions website because these are the questions that people really want the answer to. And if I can help them understand that and make better decisions, we could have a, a whole host of Lightning Network routers to fill those positions that companies or uh, large holders might demand so that they can put their Bitcoin to, to work on the Lightning Network. If people um, in our audience have been, you know, thinking about starting their own routing node or starting to experiment with it anyway, do you have any advice on how they can start out? You know, maybe look at your website. Is there any other tips? As much as I appreciate like MyNode and Umbral, I would really encourage them to uh, try assembling a Raspi Blitz. Uh, you will get a little bit of exposure to command line stuff, but not a scary amount. From there, it's an extremely flexible uh, system. All the people that love to tinker are super happy using the Raspi Blitz because you know, you're able to install the latest and, and greatest. Of course, it's a little bit scary because you might have to like use command line to, to install the latest and greatest. But for the most part, you're able to use the menu um, and then choose which services you want to turn on or turn off. I would encourage people to start there because you're not going to get any better understanding about, you know, Lightning Network unless you're like really diving in and playing with this toy. I, I view my Lightning Node, it's basically like my pet. It's like a Tamagotchi, but for the for Bitcoin. So like I, I feed it with sats. I have to do like maintenance on it. And, you know, sometimes it takes a total crap. 
Well, I think that we've kind of reached the end of the show here. Would you mind letting the listeners know how they can find um, Satbase, you, and anything else you'd like to share? My website is satbase.org. You can find me hanging out in the Telegram channel at Ellen Balance Channels. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Justifer underscore BTC. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you joining me on the Lightning Junkies podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Chaz. It was a real pleasure. Boom. That was the 41st episode Lightning Junkies podcast. I don't I don't know why people let me do outros at all. I really hope you learned something about this griefing attack. I hope you learned something about running your own routing node. Are you going to run your own routing node? I hope so. Or at least learn something more about it. Go dig into satbase.org. Go, you know, run your own routing node and share with others how they can onboard onto Lightning. Hopefully by now we have released the new newbies episode, trying to onboard uh, newbies onto the Lightning Network directly without them uh, jumping onto Bitcoin directly. We're going to see how well that episode does and how much we can really help the Lightning ecosystem with more users, more educated users, and trying our best to be a useful tool within that ecosystem. For now, we're going to leave you there, but I hope we'll see you on the beautiful, the wonderful, we'll see you on the Lightning Network.